LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Scott Sanders. And I'm Derek Hanna. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel center ministry every week. Now, The One Thing is brought to you with thanks to the Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planting Network. Derek, what's happening in sort of church planting land at the moment? Give me two things that you're focusing on. Uh, two things I'm focusing on. Well, this is the time of year that a lot of church plants would normally plant over the coming months. And so a lot of them are trying to work out with hopefully and prayerfully you know, COVID restrictions lifting, how they can do that. So that's one big thing. We're trying to hopefully see these plants uh, launch. It'd be great if they could. Second thing is um, a lot of people are trying to work out as well what in this environment it looks like to do gospel ministry. So we're seeing, uh, you know, there's an interest in church planning in the future. Mm. Um, people are trying to work out what it is it's going to look like in a different future with possibly smaller gatherings for a while. So they're the two things. They're good things. They're good things. Not... Think life is not without its complications for anyone at the moment, but they're two things that are, um, yeah, I'm really encouraged about at the moment. Great, yeah, and it's always good to hear new things getting started, and particularly in a context where it feels like everything's, you know, not as we would like it. So that's great. Now we're part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. We'd encourage you to check out our network page on iTunes and see a bunch of quality Christian podcasts. You'll see one that we're going to refer to later in the uh, toolbox. Uh, the New Churches podcast with Todd Adkins, Ed Stetzer, and Daniel Lim. They've got over 500 episodes. They've been doing a long time. And uh, in many ways, they, they encouraged us to get into this. And so it's a cracker, uh, very short, uh, bite-sized podcast on church planting. But for now, you've pressed play on another episode of The One Thing, Mother Daughter Planting. Now, we interviewed Paul Dale, uh, the Senior Minister at Church by the Bridge in Kirribilli. We talked to him about mother-daughter church planting. My name is Paul Dale. I'm the Senior Pastor of Church by the Bridge Kirribilli and St. Augustine's Neutral Bay. Um, I am married to Rachel. I've got four boys. I've been a Christian for 30 years. Um, and I planted Church by the Bridge 15 years ago in 2005, initially with 30 people and it's grown today to be 780 adults and 280 kids. Um, it's in Kirribilli on the Lernor shore, and over the last 15 years we have planted 10 congregations. So Church by the Bridge Kirribilli was a church plant from St Thomas's Anglican Church in North Sydney. So I was an assistant pastor at North Sydney, and I took 32 people uh, to start a new church in Kirribilli called Church by the Bridge. It was really a mother-daughter planting model. And so I was working for St. Thomas's, I was funded by St. Thomas's, they were very generous in giving money and giving people to start this new church. It was always the intention that this daughter church, Church by the Bridge, would seek independence after a couple of years. That was our goal from day one. Uh, and the, the daughter church, Church by the Bridge, intentionally had a quite different DNA to the mother church. After two years, we did become independent of the Mother Church. Uh, that meant governance-wise, finance-wise, staffing-wise, we were a, a new church after two years. So this is Church by the Bridge. Paul, um, he was employed at St Thomas's, 
Uh, he was you know, funded by St. Thomas's. He was sent out from St. Thomas's. And the thing that made um, this a mother-daughter plan was that uh, they were sent out with a plan uh, after the course of, what, two years or so to move towards independence. So there was always that movement towards them being their own parish, independent church and making decisions into the future. So it wasn't a multi-site model um, or a campus model, which is actually what Church by the Bridge does now. Uh, they had an agreement from the sending church that after a couple of years that they would move towards independence. It's interesting the time frame there of two years. You know, I'd say that's that that can be quite can be quite short. You know, you could you could, it could be anywhere up to five years. You know, if you think about the sort of average growth of a church, they're only kind of hitting seventy after you know after four years. Um, and so, depending on that size of your launch team, depending on the health of the church. You don't want to break that umbilical cord too quickly, potentially with the with the sending church. Yeah, and that's where the uh, we'll talk about this a little bit later. That is where the memorandum of understanding, some agreement between the two parties as to what it's going to look like and what are the conditions under which independence is reached reached and agreed upon. Um, really important that before you head out, uh, you have those things agreed um, for that. We're saying as well that one of the things that when we talk about multi-site sometimes, uh, you can talk about multi-site as a launch strategy. So you can use multi-site in order to have independence after a period of time. Um, and so it can actually look like a mother-daughter plan, but, uh, you know, it, it can be, we'll say, five years will run as a multi-site with the idea of moving off afterwards. As where mother-daughter has a slightly different approach. It is working towards independence in a deliberate way from the get-go. Um, and there will be a, while there'll be a shared DNA, there will be a slightly different expression often in a mother-daughter church. Now, in this ne next section, Paul Dale uh, talks about why mother-daughter and not a parachute. Let's uh, hear from Paul. Originally, I decided to, to keep those close ties with the, with the mother church uh, because I think uh, there was a blessing of that, that... They were blessing us with people, they were blessing us with money, and they were blessing us with some resources and some systems and some processes. And so I felt that I wasn't doing it alone. I was doing this in a fellowship, a supportive fellowship. Um, and, and I think that's what's been a blessing about our, our congregational plants or our church plants since then, that you're part of something bigger, and so you don't feel isolated. Uh, and you do have lots of extra resources, not just people, but uh, material and musicians and um, all your back of office stuff, uh, your communications, your marketing, your finances, your governance. Uh, you can do that if you're part of something bigger. And I think I decided I didn't want to go alone and have to do all that uh, minutia stuff without that fellowship. It can be a huge blessing um, to have all those things sent with you, knowing you're going to take 30, 40, 50 people with you to plan. You've already got a core group. They're already connected to you. There's already systems in pl place which will support you. So the thing that you can do when you launch and when you plant is the missional activities without having to think about the infrastructure behind it. So a huge blessing to be able to do that. People praying for you as well. The finances there, you know you're going to have that support for X number of years. It's a, a massive blessing. Now, not, not to be negative, but the danger though with that is that you actually, you actually don't uh, start, you know, if you don't have that missional intent and if you're not intentional about mission, then really you're just 
you were doing church down the road and now you're doing church down this road, uh, you know, down on another street with the same missional ineffectiveness. So it's really important that the sending church has, has a health about it and a, a missional DNA, uh, I, I think. But also that getting that launch team size dynamic right, but also the reason for the church plant. You know, the reason is that we actually want to reach, you know, more of the people in this region. And that's where you know, Paul's, Paul's great strength is, you know, he'll talk about being an ordinary pastor and someone who just preaches the word. But, but really, the guy is just so deliberate about, uh, you know, evangelism and mission. The other thing I'd say in a mother-daughter plan is how you talk about your church um, while you're still connected to the mother church. This is certainly a tension in a multi-site church. Um, you need to work out the language you use, uh, how you pitch it to new people. It's fine for people who come across. It's much more challenging for people who have joined you to have a relationship with the, the church that sent you. So you need to work out how to talk about that. Okay, well, let's, let's listen to Paul talk about that relationship with the senior uh, minister of the Sending Church. And so I think that that relationship between the pastor of the mother church and the pastor of the daughter church is absolutely vital and essential. A relationship based on trust and mutual respect and mutual love and transparency. Uh, and so I think that's essential if you're in a mother-daughter relationship. Um, and I've seen things break down when there's a lack of trust or there's a bit of competitiveness that, break, that breaks in. You've got to respect your pastor of your mother church and sit humbly under them. The relationship is really important. And that's where I think, again, a, having something documented and clarifying it uh, is, is really helpful so that, so that you know, you know what, your, what the expectations are from both sides. And can I say, document it. Um, I know that seems, you know, seems strange and it seems overly formal, but it just by document, it forces you to have that conversation so that, so that you can say, yep, I'm expecting Derek to meet up with me every week and to pray for me every day. And I want my first child's going to be called Derek and my second child's going to be called Jackie. You know, Jackie. You know, we are going to keep being friends for the rest of our lives. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm using it as an example. You, you know, but have it out, you know, are we, are we going to keep being able to meet week to week, for example, you know, because that's what you would have done if you were, say, on a staff team in a church. Are we, um, you know, how often, how, often uh, how much money is going to be sent? Um, you know, clarifying all those uh, things. How many people can we, um, you know, take, take with us? Um, and, you know, what does it look like in terms of, um, you know, coming back and, and reporting, you know, from, from both sides uh, of the coin? Yeah, and we, uh, we'll give an example, MOU, in, uh, in the show notes just for you to have a look through and a dig through to see what that looks like. I, I, I wonder whether a big part of this as well, and again, there's a lot of similarities here to multi-site, um, but a big part of this is the relationship between the, scene, the person being sent and the person sending. Mm. It actually needs to be quite strong. And so you can have everything documented and you do need to do that. But there needs to be a good, strong relationship uh, in order to make this work well. There can't be resentment. Uh, there can't be a bitterness. There can't be in the person planting or the daughter church just as a desire to get as quickly away from the senior as they can. That does not work. It is not healthy. And so I'd always recommend um, if churches are thinking about doing mother-daughter planting or if they're thinking about doing multi-site planting, the person you're thinking about sending out, you need to get them to work with you for at least 12 months preferably 24 months before you send them out in order to work out these things uh, in a relational work context. So that when you send them out, that relationship is strong and the issues that are inevitably going to arise 
have a relationship to fall back on a context which they can unpick it. So that relationship, and that's what Paul says, you know, his relationship with Simon Manchester was really strong. Mm. And so that's why, even with what I'm sure was a very complex situation, there were some challenging things that arose, uh, they could navigate that stuff because there was a relationship there. So, so speaking to the senior minister then, there needs to be a real carefulness about, about what you're um, pro, you know, promising to the prospective church planter as well. So I think, I think it's worthwhile to say, let's, let's keep this open. Our desire is to move you towards church planning uh, because you know, in the next 12 months, it actually could work out really, he's a great team member and you know, I, want, I want this, uh, this church planning couple in my congregation and, and I actually can see us grow the gospel larger in this footprint than potentially in this other footprint. Uh, so I think, I think you want to you know, keep it flexible, plan in pencil you know, with the expectation just so that you know, there could be the opportunity. Actually, you really enjoy working together and that's, that's another great win for the gospel. Uh, in this next section, Paul talks about managing the relationship in an ongoing way. Let's hear from Paul. Uh, another big mistake, I think, was uh, not running past the mother church. Uh, people who had transferred down from the mother church to the daughter church, not being clear there as to whether it was good for the mother church that they come. You don't want to strip the mother church of quality people. Um, so again, I think it's just your relationship between the, the daughter church pastor and the mother church pastor. Paul picks up on this around the transfer, but it, it can be one of the biggest sources of tension can be around that the sent group and the people who go over afterwards. So often you will have, depending on how you navigate and manage it, you might have 30 or 40, 50 people going from the mother church to the sent church, which is a substantial amount of people to lose. And often the people who go with those plants are keen people who have leadership abilities who are already doing a significant amount in the sending church. And so there needs to be good conversation around um, who, what the conversation will look like to take someone from the mother church to the sending church and how they navigate it um, with the people that are going or who put their hand up or the inevitable trickle that comes afterwards. Now that can go in both ways, but generally it's from the mother church to the plant. If the plant goes well, if plant's going well, it feels like there's excitement there. And so people, even if they weren't in that launch team heading off, uh, they see what's going on and there's a, a, it can be a slow trickle over. So the person who's leading that plant, having a relationship with the sent church and the senior pastor to talk through when that's happening and to be able to navigate together the hard conversations to push people back to the mother church, uh, if that's what's needed, or to help them think well and wisely why they're going to this plant. So what's a useful size then for the, for the mother church, you know, to be able to send out a, a good amount of, you know, good amount of people and not, you know, kill the goose that is laying the eggs. Come on, you tell me you're the uh, multi-side guru. Oh, oh no, I'm trying to set you up the multi-side expert, you buffet. I just gave it to you. I, look, I want to draw from my learned colleagues in the multi-side arena um, and, and say this. Uh, they've got names. Scott Sanders is one of them. Anyway, they, the, the uh, adopted doctrine or the drop of thought is this. Let's say if you've got a church of 500, um, you want to take 10% of those. Now, there aren't a huge amount of churches in Australia with 500. That's 10%. Any more than that can really significantly harm the mission. You, you know, you've, you've got to kind of be wise with that. You can take less than that. But 10% seems to be a number within which the sending church can both continue its mission and not be harmed too much while sending out a sizable 
core of people. If you're in the country though, um, or you're in an inner city like Kirribilli, that's not necessarily how they've done their multi-site replication. It can work in other ways, but you just need to be wise that you don't take so many from the sending church that you can't replicate again for the next 10, 12 years because you're recovering. Yeah. And so I think you're talking there about launching strong as well. I think that's the, that's the key thing. And you want you want to launch strong and that means a strong sending church and a strong church plant as well. So uh, I think the, you know, the final word in some ways to the senior minister as well, who's, who, who is in some ways a plant, you know, the planter in this, who's sending out the planter is to, to work hard on getting the sending church healthy, to work hard on casting a vision as you're sending these people out for the existing work that's happening at this church. Uh, to be deliberate about, you know, for the people who are left behind to say, actually, this is really important and to restart teams and, uh, and re-engage people and train people so that, so that the church that's sending is actually just as vibrant as this new thing that's, uh, that's being sent out. There's, there's a real opportunity in this for both the churches to go together. And, you know, looking at the data from Holy Trinity, you know, great network, uh, you know, they, they have, a, have got, you know, great history of sending out and then seeing the sending church be replenished. Uh, you know, within sort of 18 months to 24 months. And, you know, in some ways that's happening because they are launching strong and have a good healthy DNA in that sending church. Excellent. Well, that is the, um, uh, that's Holy Trinity in Adelaide, that one. Now, listen, I want to, uh, I want to jump to the toolbox if I can. And then we're going to have uh, Paul's one thing because Paul just nailed this one thing. Uh, yeah, he, it was excellent. Anyway, just let me mention a few uh, things in the toolbox and then we'll hear Paul's one thing. Uh, we want to give you an example, MOU. Uh, so we'll uh, put that in the side just to get a feel for what kind of things you might want to think about if you're moving towards mother-daughter planting uh, to include in that. Second one is there's a great episode on New Church's podcast around mother-daughter planting as well, uh, episode 220. So we'll put a link onto that where they talk through that. And the third one we want to point you to is a book called Planting Churches uh, by guys named Stuart Murray and Greg Bannon. Really helpful little chapter on church planting models, if you can grab that one. But let me throw you now to Paul's really helpful one thing when it comes to thinking through mother-daughter. It's really helpful. All I would say is that I do not consider myself a church planter. I consider myself a pastor with a heart for the lost, seeking every opportunity to start something new. Because I think there's kind of an image out there that you have to be a certain personality uh, to be a church planter. And I want to try and debunk that and say, if you're a, a pastor who loves preaching and loves people and loves the lost, that there's different ways that you can start new churches. There's not one size fits all. Alrighty, well, if you liked what you heard on the one thing, We'd appreciate it uh, if you take a moment, rate the show on iTunes, even leave a comment. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The One Thing. I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Anna. Chat soon. <laughs>